Hello Gasheads and welcome to the first of a new series of pods for Gascast where we'll take a trip down memory lane and look back at the highs, lows, goals and gaffers of some of Rover's most eventful seasons of the past. And joining me to discuss the Gas's 2010-11 campaign today are Harley and Max. Hi guys. Up the gas. Hello. Up the gas. Um, so before we get started, a quick word on our sponsors, Kahuna, who are definitely more Will Hoskins than John Akinde when it comes to the world of flooring. Kahuna can supply and fit all types of flooring for your home or workplace. They come to you with a sample selection service and offer deals on supplied and fitted carpets, vinyls, LVT engineered wood and more. Get in touch with Steve today on 07917-667-777 and mention GasCast to receive 10% off all orders. Um, so for those of you who can immediately put your finger on which season 2010-11 was, it obviously wasn't Rover's most successful season ever. Um, but I'm hoping that enough time has passed now that we can all have a bit of a laugh about basically how shit we were. And there's also lots of good talking points to come from that season too, which hopefully will come up over the next hour or so. Why did we pick the worst season we possibly could have? <laughs> Just at a time with? when this everyone is... needs a little bit of cheering up, we've chosen yeah. a really dreadful season. But yeah, great stuff. Yeah. So I hope we all enjoy. Let's get cracking with the pod and all hop in the gas cast time machine as we go back to August 2010. So, 2010. The year when one billion people tuned in to watch the Chilean miners' rescue. Jubilation in Chile. After 70 days trapped underground, 33 miners are winched up to the surface one by one. Toy Story 3 brought us all to tears. The Gorillas headlined Glastonbury Festival. David Cameron and Gordon Brown were battling it out to live at number 10. It is a future fair for all. Now all of us, let's go to it. This country deserves so much better than five more years of Gordon Brown, and that is what we must offer. And Daryl Duffy was briefly the Rovers' number 10. And the next touch was from Duffy. And he took it really well. So just to make a few of our listeners and probably ourselves feel old, uh, Harley, I believe that you and I were 16 this season. Is that right? Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that and was also the season I think I probably first met you, actually. So Yeah, indeed. In a, in a cafe sure. down Gloucester Road. You That's brought your dude. dad because you were concerned that I was some kind of dodgy character. <laughs> well, you would be. You would be. Yeah, it's true. And Max, how old were you? 14 or so? I was 14, yeah. yeah and this was the season you... St- joined the madhouse and started watching rovers wasn't it it was yeah i was never really into football growing up um my dad was always trying to take me to games when i was younger and i just had none of it um but you know sort of hit that age at school where a lot of my mates were swindon fans and they were sort of like asking me who my team were and taking the mick out of me and stuff so i sort of got into it for the banter and then um yeah just sort of never left i guess (laughs) a good good season to pick um so the summer of 2010 was a busy one at Rovers with a lot of comings and goings, including director of football at the time, Lenny Lawrence, who had his contract terminated by Rovers after five years at the club. 
And as usual, the gas came firing at the blocks in August, limping to a 3-0 defeat at Peterborough United. Uh, Harley, you and I went to this on the supporters coach and the new 4-3-3 system came in, didn't it? Yeah, I remember being really excited about this 4-3-3. And it was also the, you meant you touched upon Lenny Lawrence, it was kind of Trollope's first chance to, a lot of people thought that Lenny was there for no reason. Um, and this was Trollope's big chance to change us into an attack inside and deploy this 4-3-3 that was going to make our, our style of play much more exciting. Um, didn't quite pan out like that, unfortunately. I remember that day, Peterborough away, we were absolutely dominated uh the formation just didn't look like it was working from word go and frankly it never did no i mean it genuinely looked like the first time we'd ever played including training during pre-season everything that it was just so so poor um and talking of so poor next game we went away to league two at the time oxford and got battered 6-1 in the carling cup um harley you went to this one as well didn't you poor sod yeah, I mean that's that's got to go down as as one of the worst Rovers games I've ever seen. Um, in fact, how do you beat that? It was the worst. Um, I remember the supporters turned very quickly, and I was talking to Roadman off the forum. If anyone remembers him, and um, he was essentially saying we're in trouble, and me with the rose tinted gas goggles on, uh, told him otherwise. Uh, he was right, unfortunately. Yeah, I do remember during. I mean, obviously, trolls went during this season, but you were very, very pro trolls up until the bitter end, really, weren't you? You were fully behind him. It was my, like Max kind of said, that he started supporting Rovers this season. Um, my first season supporting Rovers was actually the promotion season from League Two. Um, and Trollope was manager then, of course. So this was my first experience of a manager failing, frankly. Um And there was like a a kind of emotional naivety to the whole thing, I think. Um, And yeah, it was just, it it was a shame, you know, it was, it was the first experience I've had of a manager being sacked. And it was your first love managerial wise. My first love. Yeah. Um, But then again, I can't really remember too much, you know, charisma from the bloke. It's just, he, he, he delivered quite a lot. Like, you know, the lots, the FA Cup run, et cetera. um, And, and that promotion. So it was sad for me to see him see him decline as he did, uh, having lost Lenny. Yeah, indeed. Well, the third game of this season, Rovers were at home to Yeovil and a 90th minute winner from Byron Anthony sent the mem into absolute raptures. I remember being in the Blackthorn at the start of this game and it was so flat. For the first home game of the season, usually obviously it's bouncing and everyone's up for it and optimistic and it was just so dead. And obviously the conceding nine in the two previous games probably didn't help, but... It certainly wasn't flat at the end of the game when Anthony scored. It it went off. Uh, and what you two don't know is that I've come up with a little quiz for the both of you that's going to go on during this episode. And because this is our first home game, this brings up the first question. Oh, God. So we're going to do a little fastest finger first thing for this one. So you need to shout out your name, basically, when you have the answer and then okay. say the answer. So quiz question one. What was the sponsor on our home kit for this season? Max. Oh, yep. Smart computing. Oh, he's done it. Oh, no way. Oh, no, no. No. no, it was no, Colin, it's surely. It was Colin. No, it was smart computers. Smart computers, yeah. Smart computers. That's it. Oh, oh were you getting it. me on the terminology for computers computing? Yeah, you said computing first of all. I was going to be uh, really, that's, really that's picky. incorrect then. That's incorrect. Nah, he's done that. He's done that. No, he's lost a point. Where in do fact, we he's uh... got minus a point for a wrong answer. <laughs> 
So it's three points for a win. So Max is currently 3 0 in the lead. There we go. <laughs> More points than Brovers at this point. Yeah, indeed. So the next game, we went away to Exeter and we drew 2 2. And the next one after that was a home game, Southampton at home, and we lost 4 0. Um, but they did have Lalana and Ricky Lambert in their side who both scored that day. So, you know, maybe that's fair enough. I mean, Lambert scoring a penalty against us at the men was, I think, fairly heart-wrenching. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. It's interesting what you say about, um, I think it was the first home game of the season, the Yeovil game. It was already an incredibly flat atmosphere given it was like the third game of the season. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember thinking about it, it was quite a, a decent pre-season in terms of the signings we made. Like I think Will Hoskins was something of a coup, wasn't he? Really? So mm-hmm. um, it did. Coup like was we... the exact word that Trollock used. Yeah. I remember it very well. <laughs> I think that's where I learned the word coup. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> coup. <laughs> Google. So moving into September, then, and the first game, Rovers went away to Oldham and drew one-one. Uh, and Hoskins, if I remember rightly, scored an outrageous lob goal. Am I thinking of the right game? Can anyone else put their finger on that one? He scored a lot of good goals, to be fair. He did. He yeah, I'm fairly sure this one was a lob one. And also in this game, Akinde came off the bench to make his first appearance for Rovers. The moment goes down in. In my nightmare. We're going to talk about a kin day and how. Well, first, we're going to do quiz question two. Okay. Which is it's not a fastest finger first. You can both have a stab at it, and the one who comes closest gets the points. So, how many clubs has a kin day had over his career? To date? To date. I'm going to say 11. Okay. Harley? I'm going to say. Six. Harley's been absolutely done there. The correct answer is eighteen. Whoa. Oh, that's that's awkward. That's six awkward. nil to definitely more than six. Yeah, eighteen. I was quite surprised actually when I saw that. That's and Harley, cool. as someone who is very very against the idea of us signing City players now, um, do you remember what your reaction was to us signing a Kinde at the time? I was absolutely raging. <laughs> I mean, if I recall correctly, Trollope had been after Chris Wood for like whole summer, if not from January. Um, and then we basically fell over and thought we need to get someone in. Picked up the phone to City and in he came. I mean, I was outraged at the time. It was essentially a youth player on their books at that point because he had moved to them from Alfreton or something, I think. And... Um, it was just a disgrace. And I feel exactly the same now. You don't ever have an excuse for, for diving into City's reserves. Um, to, to be honest, I was quite optimistic about this signing at the time because we'd lost Daryl Duffy on uh, deadline day in August um, and we bought in Akinde to replace him. And I thought, you know, a bit of pace, quite strong, holds up the ball. Saw it pop up on, I think it must have been Twitter maybe. I think that was around at the time. Um, clicked through the link to go to our homepage to read the article about it. And our website popped up and stood there as a Kinde in a city shirt on the front of our yeah, homepage. I remember. And I, remember. I immediately just said, fuck's sake, and closed down the page <laughs> and just went and did something else because it pissed me <laughs> off so much. Um, so, yeah, that probably didn't get the lad off to the best start, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, think, uh, Duffy, Duffy was still on the books that season. He was on loan at Hibernian, I think, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he went on loan to Hibs, yeah. 
Yeah, I loved Duffy. What a shame it was to see him leave. I don't, I don't see why he went out on loan because, if I recall correctly, he was scoring a decent amount of goals in League One for us. If you um, look back at his ratio for us, it's one in three. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, it was pretty good because I, I remember him scoring about 13, 14 a season for a couple of years in a row. Yeah. Um, so it just made no sense to loan him out, but I don't know if there were personal reasons wanted to go to Scotland. Well, then he came back down to Cheltenham after, so <laughs> not a good enough excuse for me. <laughs> so the rest of that month then, September, Rovers had a nil-nil at home with Brentford. Then we went away to Dagenham and Redbridge and beat them 3-0 with a Jeff Hughes hat-trick. Probably I was going to say with that Rovers game, players. Hughes scored a hat-trick. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was class on his day. Um, and then we won back-to-back games because then we had Notts County at the Mem and we beat them 2-1, Hoskins double. Um, Max Hoskins on fire throughout this whole season, really. Where would he rank in the strikers that you've seen at Rovers? Uh, definitely up there. I mean, I would say the only better strikers I've seen really have been Johnson, Clark Harris, Matty Taylor um, and Ricky Lambert. Um, he's probably fourth for me of the ones I've seen in the last 10 years. Um, I did used to watch Ricky when I was younger because I used to. my dad used to take me along and I, I just remember every game I went, he seemed to score two or three. Um, from ridiculous range every time. Um, and yeah, looking back, he is probably the pinnacle of Rover strikers. But yeah, Hoskins was, he was a really good striker. And what always struck me about him was his technicality. Um, he could dribble really well, but he was also great at the hold at play. Just a sort of complete striker. Um, and, you know, when, when he found that purple patch, he just didn't seem to stop. Um, when you've got a man in form like that and in a relegation fight, it's, it's pretty key that you keep him fit. Um, and unfortunately, we, we couldn't seem to do that for, for key periods in the season. Um, and I think if he had been uh, able to play all, all the games, we may have had a better chance of staying up that year. Well, he also played on the wing quite a lot this season as well. It wasn't even like he was always through the middle where you would expect him to get goals. He was out wide, shunted out wide quite a lot for usually much inferior strikers. Yeah, I mean, earlier the on in the season, he, he played in that 4-3-3 um, and him and Kafour were either side of um, Akinde. And then in the second half of the season, he was it was Rene Howe who was more of the, the pivot man and he sort of played um, one side and Reggie Lamb played the other. So, yeah, he did sort of play more out wide, but I seem to remember that run he went on at Notts County away later in the season. We're going to talk about that later, but he just got that in his locker. Um, yeah, yeah he was the class. The Oval away game as well when he dribbled past like three players and then squared it for Gavin Williams. Yeah, um, he's quite Bowden-esque in his in his own way, I think. But he also had had sort of the the striker's finish on him. Mm. So three days after the high of beating Notts County, Rovers were playing again at the Mem and lost one 0 to Tranmere, which takes us into October. And the first two games of October were again all about Hoskins, uh, Huddersfield away one 0 Rovers, Hoskins ninetieth minute. Older shot at home, JPT, Hoskins, 90th minute. So a couple of good games for Hoskins there. And it brings us on to quiz question number three. Harley, kind of need this one, I'm going to say, but, you know, we'll see. Um, Mm. How many goals did Hoskins score for Rovers this season in all competitions? 20, max. 20. 18. 20. Including league, including cup, 20. The correct answer is... 20. Oh, yes! Harley takes it. He's back in it. Get He's in back there. in it. Very nice. In the zone. Um, so Rovers then went away to Swindon Town, which was on Sky. It was on a Monday night. I went to this one um, and we lost 2-1. Pretty miserable game, to be honest. Um, it was on the telly, that game. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. It. Yeah. 
Um, we scored an absolute perler. I can't remember who it was. Someone scored a screamer for us. Hoskins. Hoskins. Oh, I'm pretty again. sure. For three in a row, yeah. Um, we then played Rochdale at home and we won 2-1. And at this point, we were ninth in the table, one point outside the playoffs. So, you know, judging by our usual starts to leagues, which are fairly slow, this season actually started pretty well. Um, unfortunately, it kind of went downhill from here, but... We then went away to Hartlepool and drew 2-2, and then we drew one all at I'm home looking, with Carlisle. I'm looking at the um, the fixtures on Wikipedia now, and like you said, it's good to this point, but then scrolling down, there's like a wall of red. From yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, if <laughs> anyone... Spoil it, but it's just like literally about eight, nine losses out of the next... If anyone only wants to hear positives, then just, you know, switch off now, because it just goes downhill. Um Let's go into November then. First game, we played away at Plymouth and we lost 3-1. Bradley Wright-Phillips scored two against us. And this game, I believe, was the flag game. Is that right, Harley? I have no idea. So I, I at the time, was working at uh, McCall's News Agent, top of Western High Street, big up McCall's, and saved up for weeks and weeks because I really wanted to get a Rovers flag made because around that time seems to be the sort of um, explosion of people getting custom-made flags up and taking them to away games and everything. So I thought, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Saved up my McCool's wages for a long time, bought a flag for about 160 quid or something, which at the time was a lot of money for me. And um, it came and it was beautiful. So I had my forum name on it, We Are The Gas, um i was so happy with it still my forum name so happy with it went on a minibus i believe to plymouth took it in the away end laid it out on the seats beforehand well proud of it end of the game probably a bit pissy because we'd just been beaten 3-1 i remember absolute bell end walked out and left it there and uh have never seen it since basically so i heard that it made it onto a minibus on the way back to bristol but I've never seen it. And even now, I still look at highlights of our games and look in the away ends and try to see if someone's taken it around with them. But I've never seen it since. So I imagine it's up above someone's bed somewhere. Hopefully. What a story it would be if this podcast was able to reunite me with it. Yeah, it was able to reunite you with this one lost love. I hate to disappoint you, Ollie, but it's probably in a, in a landfill in Dorset somewhere, mate. Thanks. Thanks, Max. Cheers me up. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so that was a really bad day for me. Um, but not as bad as the day for Rovers when we played four days later at Darlington. That segue. In that's... the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> you, I've nailed this. And uh, it this was enough. another humiliating cup exit for Rovers, which brings us on to quiz question number four, which is how many non-league clubs have knocked Rovers out of the FA Cup since this tie? So not including Darlington, where we lost 2-1. How many non-league clubs have knocked us out since? Oh, that's, that's a good bit of trivia. Max. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, Six. go on, Max. Six. Six. Harley? I'm, ass- I'm assuming you want me to guess as, as well. Yeah, so uh, closest is going to get it. I'll go four. The correct answer is... Three. What? Oh yes. I've only leveled it. Hang on, hang on. I'm not having this. Do you want me to read them off? Barnet have knocked us out and they were they were conference. Yeah. Um Chesham knocked us out. Yeah. And they were conference. Yeah. Barrow knocked us out and they were conference. Yeah. Notts County knocked us out and they were conference. No, they were were league two. Oh bugger. 
What about Bath? No, that that's that's not the same cup, is it? No. Oh yeah. See, t- you're, you're confusing yeah, you your cups. There, you got to be better than this. He's he's pegged yeah, you back here. Yeah. So there we go. Six all. It's getting tense. Three more questions. Um. So next game, Rovers went away in the JPT to Wickham and won six three. Quite the game. Oh, yeah, Hattrick. Hat-trick. Yeah, and Rendell Hattrick for them. Good old Scotty well, Rendell who came Scott, to our You love Scott Rendell, don't you? We'll go on to that in another Time Machine episode, I'm sure. Yeah, we will. Um, but we couldn't follow that up because we then got smashed 3-0 at home by Orient. Um, <laughs> Harry Kane scored in that game, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that wasn't this game. That was later on in this season. Oh, actually. okay, yeah. Sorry. Um, and I remember... So we had two quite respectable draws in the next two, away at Brighton and Charlton. Two to Hang on, can I, rever- can, I, can I take the time machine briefly back? Yes, you can. 6-3 against Wickham, because I remember John Akinde having an absolute stormer in that game, and everyone was just absolutely blown away by his performance. He didn't score any goals, but he was laying it off in the dream target man position. And uh, I recall being really excited by him then for a brief, I don't know, 90 minutes potentially. See, I remember, yeah, I remember the exact same thing that Akinde was cracking in this game. And when I looked to the scorers, I was actually thought it was Akinde who had scored the hat-trick, but it was He Kifor, was all about the layoffs. Yeah, he was yeah, laying yeah, everything off. Him and Kafor were a dream. Yeah. No, Akinde didn't score any. Spoiler. <laughs> so, yeah, we went away to Brighton, then drew 2-2, then went away to Charlton and drew one all. So that ended November quite positively. But so Brighton were champions that year, weren't they? They were, yeah. So it was a Charlton good result. But pressure was starting to mount on Trollope around this point, I think. And I believe that was Wayne Brown's first game and everyone was desperate to see Wayne Brown get into the side. And... Um... Not first game, sorry, first goal. Signed from um, Fulham, wasn't he, I believe? Yeah, yeah. And everyone kind of... He was on loan the previous season, then we signed on a permanent. And um, I remember Trollope was was not utilising him, not even playing him at all, really, and everyone was pretty frustrated. But I remember this game being the one where he got in the team, I think due to injury, potentially, and then he banged one in, and everyone, everyone was excited by that. Also, Charlton being a big club, as it is now, uh, any result against Charlton away is seen as a pretty good one, I think. Yeah, it's not a ground we typically do well at, so, you know, good result, mm. especially for this season. Um, on to December then. As I said, pressure mounting on trolls. Um, lots of fans by this point had turned. I definitely turned. Harley, you were still trolls. Clinging on to dear life. Earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, I rocked up to my first live game. <laughs> uh, not, <laughs> not yet. So walking that... into the, like, opening a, the, the front door of a burning building and walking in and being like, this is great. <laughs> so... <laughs> The, the winter of 2010 must have been awful because there was only two games played in December. First one being away at Sheffield Wednesday where we lost 6-2. Um, I went on the coach to this, supporters coach. Hoskins scored there. both our goals. You were there as well, were you? I was there, yeah, I was there. Of course I was. I wouldn't miss this one for the world. <laughs> so I don't know if I stood with you. Maybe I was, but I remember the best part of this being a game that started in the away end where someone put a cup on the person's head in front of them and then everyone cheered and then that person put it on the head in front of them. And uh, I'd, I'd that argue was literally that, the best I, part of the day. I'd so argue brilliant. that us taking the lead was probably the best part of the day, but I would. Yeah, that is a close second. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the main thing I remember from that day, is that? And the main thing I remember is there... So obviously, we need not go into detail that this 6-2 loss was an absolute spanking. But what I remember very well is the fact that as if to put salt into the wounds, Heffernan scored the final goal. 
just for no reason. They didn't even need one. He just wanted to to do us over. And it was so painful because Heffernan had lit it up for us the previous season on loan. So Heffernan had turned us down in the summer, right? He had basically put pen to paper and then Sheffield Wednesday just lazily came in and robbed him from us. And it was just him and Daniel Jones, actually, were both on loan with us. And they stole them both. Obviously, Heffernan scored against. It was just harsh. It was just, it was yeah. just mean. Like fourth choice striker at Wednesday when he was our star player the, the year before. Yeah, and it was just harsh. Just you know, nasty, it was, it was wasn't just, it? Yeah, just very nasty. Nasty behavior. old owls. No need. Yeah, hmm. no, no need. No need for that in the modern game. Um, hmm. So, Max, here's your moment to shine. Then our second game in December was your first ever Rovers game, the two-two against Exeter in the JPT at the Mem. Um, yeah. What do you remember from the game, the day, etc.? Well, not my first ever Rovers game. I did go to a couple when I was a kid, and I went to like the Wembley finals. And oh, okay. But like, this is the first one I sort of wanted to go to, and like made the conscious conscious effort to ask if I could go along and watch the game. Um, yeah, so it was. We just had the Darlington loss, like you said, in the six-two. Uh, things were bad. I remember going to the game, and everyone was saying that it was sort of almost last chance saloon for for Trollope. Um and yeah we um sort of blew it a little bit because it was it was Byron Anthony scored an own goal um it was 1-1 for a long period of the game and then I think it was like 78th minute or so we scored uh, what we thought was going to be the winner um because yeah we'd, we'd gone ahead quite late on in the game and Exeter weren't fantastic they were in league two at the time we were in league one uh obviously um and then, like, I think it was like 92nd or 93rd minute, Ryan Harley came on and scored a header um, to make it 2-2 um, and take it to, to obviously to extra time, um, which was pretty dour. And then, uh, and then penalties, yeah, which which we lost. And again, Byron Anthony missed the missed the, the crucial penalty, so not a great day for Lord Byron, but uh, an even worse day for Trollope. Really, I remember the were pretty much booing at full time, and it was pretty toxic. And I thought, well, he's obviously going to go. Um, I think he got sacked on the 16th um, of that month because it was my birthday. I remember him getting sacked on my birthday. Yeah, I mean, I imagine Byron Anthony has never received a Christmas card off Paul Trollope since this <laughs> I can't imagine he has, no. No. Um, but I remember going to the game and just thinking, you know, we, we weren't, we were sliding down the league table. Um, there was obviously a lot of concern around the team selections and the performances weren't convincing. And it would have been a couple of subpar performances earlier in the season against Oxford, uh, the one against Darlington and this one as well. Um, and then the league as well, getting hammered by some some big clubs. So I think the writing was on the wall at this point, to be honest. Yeah. So have you said the day after this game, uh, Trollope went and Darren Patterson came in as caretaker manager. Um, Harley, as we said at the start of this episode, Lenny Lawrence had gone and this was Trollope's first season flying Soda, really. Um Looking back, the fans really got on Lawrence's back and were sort of on at the club about getting rid of him, not thinking he was justifying his money, etc. But do you think that the way this season panned out kind of proved that what a crucial cog Lawrence was in the management team at Rovers at the time, really? Oh, obviously. It was, uh, yeah, it was really disappointing. I remember it was the classic... um judging things that you don't quite understand. You know, everyone just saw Lenny as as being a leech on the wages, frankly, and... um getting rid of him being an easy solution to bringing in, you know, two or three additional players. Um, and that just didn't work out to be the case. I mean, the signings in the end, just they, they were just too simple. There was a huge lack of, of kind of 
aim, I suppose. Um, the signings just didn't really add up to what we were trying to build. And um, yeah, it just fell apart, didn't it? Yeah. It was obviously the wrong decision. Yeah. So moving into January then, it was a packed January for Rovers. Um, it started off with a 2-0 loss away at MK Dons and then a 3-2 loss at home to Plymouth. Uh, and I remember this Plymouth game quite well because um, Hoskins around this yeah. time was playing on the wing a lot because he sort of had done it periodically through the start of the season. But around this time, it was sort of back-to-back-to-back-to-back games of him always being out on the wing. And I remember getting a chant going in the first half in the Blackthorn of, Hoskins is a striker, Hoskins is a striker, la-la. I remember that as well. And then shortly after I did that, he went on to score two goals from the left wing. So that proper (laughs) shut me up. Um, But unfortunately, we did lose the game. And you're as accurate today as you are as you were about that. That was was the game we went 2-0 up and and lost 3-2. And then I think for the next two seasons at home, when we played Plymouth, we did the same thing under yeah. under both um, Buckle and maybe McGee as well. Yeah, Buckle <laughs> definitely. I remember it being quite horrific, horrifying. They fact. turned into a bogey club for us, didn't they, for a few seasons around for that a time? Bit, yeah. Um, and then the next game was Dave Penny's first game in charge. He was appointed the day before. It was Rovers two, Walsall two. Uh, Will Grigg and Aaron Lescott scored for Walsall. Um, and Harley, when you and I were messaging and prepping for this pod a couple of days ago, you had actually completely forgotten that Dave Penny had ever managed Rovers, so he clearly <laughs> left had. quite an impression on you. No, he's. Um, I remember when he signed reading the, I believe it was Oldham he was at before and got sacked from, and um, or someone like that. And uh, they all cited his reason for being sacked as essentially dwindling attendances and boring performance, um, less than inspiring, shall we say. And unfortunately, the the appointment of Penny was the least inspiring that they could have possibly picked. And not only that, but the football was crap and it, well, as no spoilers, but it doesn't pan out very well. Well, you say it was an uninspiring appointment, which I agree with. But if you remember, the um, the Bristol Post at the time was saying that our top three candidates for the job at the time were Dave Penny, uh, Richard Money and Keith Curl, I think it was. Yes, I do remember. And I just Richard remember Money's always in thinking, there. oh my God, this is just the most uninspiring choice ever, basically. Richard Money is always on our list. Every single time. Yeah. He's always popping yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the favourites when Mark McGee took over, wasn't he? Mm. So I think, again. I think, interestingly, if you look back, Keith Cole would have been the best appointment. Yeah, he did a great job at Notts County, didn't he? And done okay yeah. at Carlisle. Um, and he was With hindsight. Ex-Rovers links as well, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so moving on then. 15th of January, Rovers went away to Carlisle and lost 4-0. And then... <laughs> Inspiring stuff. Three days later, a dour 0-0 at home to Hartlepool. But then he did get a win in a West Country derby following that. Swindon Town at the Mem. Rovers came out 3-1 winners. Um, and I remember on the way home from this one with my dad, we were going to Kingswood to stay with my grandparents. And as we were going onto the motorway, the Swindon team coach passed us and I looked up at it and (laughs) caught the eyes of Charlie Austin, who I promptly gave the wanker sign to. And he then called me a dickhead. And uh, that's just... Fantastic. Yeah. Which, Um, you know... um, That was the game game Hoskin bleached his hair. Oh, oh what well what that what was, a choice that was I'm not sure what was more disappointing was Hoskins dyeing his hair blonde like that or our <laughs> performance in the next game following that Swindon victory yeah god so 
We then went away to Walsall and scored one goal, but conceded six. So Walsall we were our relegation rivals this season, weren't they? They yeah. were, This was like a massive six point. This was a this was a big six point. Even in where were we? Even in January, as we were then, this was a big game for us. And they it was literally a six us. pointer for Walsall because so they scored the, six. The Swindon <laughs> game was as well because uh, they were in the relegation zone, and we we were just dropped in at that point when Penny took over. Um, so getting the win over Swindon was huge because I think it lifted us out. Um, but then we had to sort of follow that up with the Walsall game because they were just teetering in and out as well. So to, to lose six one was pretty um, pretty abysmal. Yeah, well I remember thinking after the Swindon game, sort of here we go. Then Penny's off to you know, he's he's got off got the first win under his belt. We're going to really kick on now. And then yeah, went away and got absolutely smashed. And um, and then I got into an argument in the away end over Jason Price. Oh um, my god, I remember that. That was vicious. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, and looking back, no, tell us, tell us about the argument. Well, so this was when we were six-one down at the time. I think it was, you know, it was the last ten minutes of the game or something. And the the bloke behind me had just been banging on about Jason Price for pretty much the whole game, and. Um, he was going, you know, oh, we're only 6-1 down because they've got Jason Price. If we had Jason Price, we'd be 6-1 up. And I basically turned around and pointed out the fact that we're losing 6-1 to a team and their striker, who he so desperately wants us to sign, hadn't scored any of the six goals. <laughs> and he also hadn't assisted any of them either because I've, dub- I've gone back and checked. So he had Just basically played no part in this game, but he, he thought that we were 6-1 down because they had this lump of a bloke up front and i just wasn't having it i'd snapped because i was fuming and uh, speaking of speaking yeah. of a lump of a bloke how have we not mentioned that matt gill scored their second goal did he he did that's phenomenal matt gill wasn't a lump though was he no but i i wanted a segue it, it, okay <laughs> did that, how many goals did will griggs score that game because he was he must have been a teenager at the time he scored none none mm. fair enough okay not, so, a great, not a great outcome no <laughs> So moving into February then, uh, and Rovers had a home game with MK Dons, which we lost 2-1, but it was the debuts for Rene Howe, Scott Davies, JP Kalala, and Gavin Williams. JP Kalala. I love JP. He was great. He was the CDM we needed. Well, we needed him all season. He was Um, the dream sign, and I I was so excited about him at the time. Because we played Campbell and Lines for most well. of the season together, and it just it was no like tenacity in the midfield at all. Was there? Campbell was sort of losing his legs a little bit at the time. Um, he was a little bit past his best. Lines was quality, but I think at that time he couldn't really stick a foot in like he could later on in his career. Um, so Kalala coming in was was pretty big, uh, and Gavin Williams obviously had a lot of pedigree and experience with um, with the Oval. So I think those two were really good signings um, at the time. Uh, but yeah, Penny could not get the best out of them, could he? It wasn't until I think Campbell took over that those two players sort of came into their own. Yeah, I mean, there was quite a big... Um, Penny came in and obviously wanted to put his own stamp on the squad and try and um, change our fortunes and brought in quite a lot of players that January and a few left as well. Rene Howe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this game brings us on to quiz question number five. So we're neck and neck at six points each, just to remind you. Um, nail biter. I know. So this MK Dons game was our lowest league attendance of the season. What was it? So closest one gets it. I've got it open on the screen. I'm going to be completely honest with that. Oh, you've got it on the screen, right? 
we're going to cross that one <laughs> off. Okay, we still have two more. It's fine. Also, I fully believe that Max also has it on the screen. No, because he's got it wrong. Gone close. No, but he's awkwardly gone close, but close no, no, enough no, to win it, God I reckon. Honestly, God have it. Oh, I'm not sure There's about that. Cheat. There's some cheating. So it's 4,829. <laughs> I was actually amazed at that. I, I couldn't believe it was so low. I know we were doing shit, but that's so low. Yeah. I think it's hard for me to get a grasp of low attendances these days because of like the checker trade games midweek have uh, in recent times have skewed my vision of what a low attendance is because those are like 2,000, 1,000, aren't they? Yeah, well, our, mm. our JPT games earlier in this season, so the Exeter game, for example, was just under 4,000. And that's essentially oh, the checker trade now, isn't it? And when you, like you said, yeah. when you look at the attendances for that now, it's not anywhere close to that. So it just shows how much that competition has nosedived, really. Um, it's a shame because I used to like the JPT. Yeah, yeah, it was a good laugh. Um, so yeah, two one lost to MK Dons. We then went no, sorry, we then played at the Mem against Brighton and lost four two. Yep. Uh, and but they were top. They were top. They, they were top were of the It was a tough game. Yeah. They uh, were playing. Um, they were they're building the the Am- the Amex Stadium at the time, weren't they? The Amex. Yeah. Um, they were playing in that place with like the running track around with dean yeah yeah that was that was the game that really kind of kick-started the the rumors that went on until the end of the season and caused so much annoyance that will hoskins was all but signing for them yes uh, imminently uh the second that the books opened really yeah and um and he yeah because he was the star of show that day yeah and even though he did he did um he did score some goals from this point on i remember thinking that that had unsettled him because his performances all round performances weren't quite the same from that game on so i think the rumors had sort of got to his head a little bit um Mm. we then went away to rochdale yeah yeah that's true we then went away to rochdale and lost 3-1 and then lost 4-1 at orient um so that was when harry kane scored yes harry kane scored two um so would you say this game was the peak of harry kane's career max i think if he didn't uh play rovers in the form they were in at that day he would not have gone on to be the player he has been for england and win the golden boot at the world cup but that's mm-hmm. just my take on the trajectory of his career i think maybe if he hadn't played us in bad form and maybe we were good and he hadn't scored those goals he could very well be at um you know bitten or somewhere right now I'd Moving say we deserve that. a fairly um, decent sell-on clause if we leave Spurs, to be honest. We made it. I wanna, can I rewind it quickly to talk about a player that slipped into this side and made his debut, and you haven't mentioned very much, is Kean Bolger, um, a man who oh, yes. I was always a big fan of. I always really liked him. He actually came back to Rovers on three separate loan spells. Yeah, he did. He was a good player. I like Kean. Hmm. Yeah, and Kean was and, very uh, close to signing permanently, wasn't he? Yeah, um, he was. Yeah. <laughs> I think Parks and Bolger were both, they played together since they were like 10 at Leicester. And they mm. both came on loan to us from Leicester. Um, and they were playing at centre-back for us really well. And I think they both agreed to sign for Rovers the next summer. Um, <laughs> so Parks, he signed permanently. And then I think Bolger just binned us off and went to Bolton <laughs> instead or somewhere. <laughs> I think Parks was fuming. <laughs> He yeah. says we don't, because uh, I remember asking him about it and he said, we don't talk about Bolger anymore or something. <laughs> oh, that was at the quiz, wasn't it? When you were yeah, with players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Penny then got his second win of his of his uh, Against spell. his old club. Against Oldham, yeah, big one. Rene Howe got his one and only gas goal in this one. I remember What's that this? so well. Do you? Talk us through oh, that yeah. Rene Howe goal, because I do not remember Wait. it. 
Well, see, it's a bit awkward because if I'm completely wrong, then I mean, I'm just going to look at talk us through it anyway because it'll be funny. I'm pretty sure that I could barely see him slide into the bottom corner because his ass was so big that I couldn't see <laughs> past from the Blackthorn. I'm pretty sure there was a there was an eclipse when he went through, the <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just a tidy finish into the bottom corner. I think it was like near post actually, but. It was near post, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember being absolutely gobsmacked that he had scored it. But in his defence, I'm pretty sure that he, he was putting in some. Sh- he was putting in a shift. He and, worked uh, really and, hard. And you know full well that my judging of a footballer is purely based on effort, and it really doesn't matter if they're useless. Yeah. Chris Beardsley being my best example of that. So, big Rennie Howe fan. Big Rennie About Howe two fan. months ago, um, maybe three months, but just before Christmas, I went to watch Yate Town. Um, Don't tell played, me Rennie Howes there. Playing against Mangotsfield, playing against Mangotsfield in the, in the, in the derby, and um, it was a good game. To be fair, was it Mangotsfield? It might not be Mangotsfield. Might have been somewhere else. Anyway, so they're playing another team in in the Tool Station, whatever league Yate are in. I should know because they're my local team, but I don't. Um, and and Yate were were winning, I think, at the time, one nil. And uh, there was this massive striker up front for the other team and he was just mouthing off the whole game he was huge he was he was quite quite stocky and i thought but he had a bit of technicality about him and he was decent and i thought oh, okay fair play he's um he's got a bit about him but he's he's obviously we can all see where this story he's going. a proper hardened pro knows the non-league and is just uh bossing it around and just making the most of it and um and one of them just shouts rene rene pass the ball and i thought this isn't Rene Howe, is it? This is not Rene Howe I'm looking at. So I grab a program off my granddad. Sure enough, number 10, Rene Howe <laughs> playing against Yates Town. The man, the myth, the legend. There he is. Yeah, still going, still going. What a blow. The big 2020. Well, not anymore because the fi- fixtures are cancelled. But Lost no weight at all by the sounds of it. No. If anything, put it on. Good lad. On the on a, a bit of Rene Howe trivia to continue. Do you remember that he then scored against us for Torquay? He scored about 18 for Torquay the next year. He actually went on to have a few good seasons after us, didn't he? Yeah. I think he consecutively scored about 18 goals three years on the trot for them. He was their top scorer in the league the next season. Fun fact, this is some serious trivia here. He was top scorer joint with someone else in that team for Torquay with 14. That player that was joint with him was Lee Mansell. Oh, no no way. way. Yeah, that, look at that trivia. That's that's phenomenal stuff. 14 goals in the big league scored against us. Yeah, I know. It's exciting. But anyway, moving on from Who Rennie. knew Lee had that in his locker? We certainly didn't see much of that, did we? But, no. Um, so then, yeah, February ended with a 1-0 loss at Brentford. And going into March then, so getting towards the relegation running, uh, Rovers played Colchester at home and lost 1-0. Um, and that. followed it up with a 2-0 loss at home to Dagnar and Redbridge. That that game was the absolute... <laughs> that was... I, I don't know if Penny was sacked after that, but he basically he, might Penny have Penny was been. sacked the next day. Yes. Funnily so enough, the, and he, Redbridge have been, um, have been like the vanquisher of our bad managers for a couple of years, because I'm pretty sure he's been the final... They've been the final straw defeat for a couple of managers, such as Buckle um, and McGee, who, who both lost at home to Dagenham and then pretty soon after were sacked i think a week or two after so it's well, almost like an omen for us well i mean talking of an omen the ma- the man himself that managed to get himself sacked was dave penny because in his po- i remember his post match after the dagenham game um he essentially came out in the press and said there's no way we're staying up um we're getting relegated <laughs> 
time to get time to face the facts. Really. I remember and, that and, now. And, and oh, I God, remember I've forgotten. And that. I remember turning to my dad and, and being like, "There is no way that you can keep someone in a job that has just outrightly said that they are not going to succeed at their job." And uh, and sure enough, he was sacked. I also believe was it the Dagenham game that Gerald Eiffel made his one and only Bristol Rovers <laughs> appearance. I think it was, and he was sent off, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, I like see that on this list, but yeah, I thought so as well. I thought so as well. Yeah, but um, yeah, what a woeful signing that was from Swindon on free transfer. I believe came in fat as a house, got sent <laughs> off, and then never turned up again. <laughs> yeah, um, good days work for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, like you said, Harley Penny was sacked the next day. Uh, Rovers at this point were twenty third in the league, five points from safety, and Stuart Campbell then quickly took over as player manager. Um, oh. Harley, there were lots of rumours going around in the club at the time that player power was a big problem at Rovers this season. So, do you think the fact that the job was given to the player who was our captain at the time when we were in such a precarious position in the league was a sign of it based an admittance that we need to get a player in because they're only playing for themselves yes i do um it was it was one of those weird moments whereby you kind of had to agree with them because penny showed absolutely no acumen for the role that said i remember it kind of devised it just uh, divided opinion because penny was clearly trying to to stop the rot uh, being the hard man and kind of telling them, you know, not letting the personalities overcome him. But it obviously wasn't working. And it, it's that hard thing to judge, isn't it? Where the best way to get a response was to put the power in the player's hands. Um, not that it was necessarily right. And I'm sure that we'll do a Time Machine episode in the future about that buckle season. But I think the start of that season really uh, emphasised maybe the Campbell clan. Uh, I've just come up with that term on the spot. Um, you know, that group of players that that had been there a long time and obviously cared about the club, but didn't necessarily have the right to drive it in the way that they thought, you know, basically is a bit iffy, wasn't it? And, um, but in all my time supporting Rovers, I struggle to remember one quite as dramatic as the end of that season. Yeah, so we we did actually have a little bit of a new manager bounce from Campbell coming in because on the 8th of March, we went away to Tranmere in Campbell's first game and won 1-0. And that started off a little run of form. Yeah, indeed. Um, We followed that up with a 1-0 loss at home to Huddersfield. Um, That game was annoying because we we scored two goals in, I think it was injury time. Um, Both were disallowed, probably wrongly, I think, for... I think one was off, supposedly offside, and the other was for keeper going down like he would, he'd been shot um, from a corner. But we we did equalise twice late on, and both were ruled out. And my teenage heart was broken several times in the space of five minutes. Yeah, well, the the attendance was up around the seven and a half thousands for this game. So I think it kind of showed that even though. Uh, we'd obviously been on such a dreadful run with Penny that optimism under Campbell had sort of returned a little bit amongst the fan base. Uh, and we then went away to Notts County a week later and won 1 0. Yes. And Max, you remember this game quite well, don't you? I do, because my dad had asked me to help him paint some fences for a job he was doing. Um, so we went in the, 
around this this woman's house and uh, put up some fence and almost said erected a fence in the back garden. <laughs> uh, put up a fence in the back garden um, and painted it. It was a hot summer's day and we had the game on the radio. Um, and this was the time when I was really, really starting to get into Rovers. And like you said, Campbell had sort of everyone was behind him. Really ignited really everyone. Well, yeah, we were going on a good run. Uh, and this this was a this was a big game, um, and I just remember we painted this fence. It was really quiet, like really nice neighbourhood. The fences was quite low, so you could see like the next three four gardens over, and the people were just led in sunbeds and just relaxing. And uh, I remember listening to the commentary, and Hoskins had gone one on one from a tight angle, and then lobbed the keeper from about twenty yards, whatever it was, and um, just going absolutely nuts around this garden and about ten different neighbours like peering over the fence to see what the hell was going on. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, no shame, your no father shame. went unemployed for quite some time after that <laughs> yeah I, think we'd, I don't think we were doing many fences again after that no but um yeah Good i remember times. getting packing the packing the stuff back in the back of my dad's um ford um hatch his saloon uh getting the stuff in the that was an estate actually so that's miles too the... much information <laughs> <laughs> what was the number plate max i wonder how many miles it had done uh like sixty thousand. Uh, right okay um nice. yeah we were whacking all the tin the empty paintings in the back of his car and listening to the other results that had just come in and like every other team around us had also won and i was gutted because it's just like mm. it felt like that season we no matter how good a run we went on other teams were just matching us yeah and we then had another quite decent result under Campbell. So we drew 2-2 at home with Peterborough. Um, uh, Mark Little got sent off for posh. Did uh, he? He did. That's interesting. I don't remember the red card, but I remember George Boyd scoring an absolute screamer. Yes, me too. He was class, actually, that day. He was. Yeah, great player. Yeah. So heading into April then. April, what a month April was, blimey. Looking oh. back at these games is just <laughs> unreal, really. So, Some of my major Rovers memories are in here. Yeah, 2nd of April then. Let's start it off with Yeovil away and Rovers won 1-0. Um, Harley, take me through this game. Well, I've gone... Basically, I remember that we both had tickets and if I recall correctly, I was incredibly close to sacking it off because I was very ill. You were um, snotting everywhere. I was. And and in today's day and age, um, with what's going on, uh, it's a bit of a dodgy subject. But yeah, I went anyway, um, regardless of my illness. And um, I didn't regret it at all. Uh, whilst I spent the whole game listening to what was and actually one of the best away atmospheres I can remember. It was Everyone was fired up, well behind Campbell and the boys. Um, I didn't sing a single song because I was essentially choking uh, with my eyes streaming and probably my nose too the entire game. I remember because... you tried to sing Irene at one point and I thought I'd lost you. Yeah, yeah. I, I it, thought you were gone. Everything, everything went white. Yeah. Um, but then everything went blue and white because oh, Gavin Williams, <laughs> Gavin Williams, simple little finish, I believe, in the opposite end uh, against Yeovil, yeah. his old club. And... Um, it, it lit up, didn't it? Conrad Logan giving the fans the salute. And what a man that guy was, by the way. Uh, looks like Mr. Incredible. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was the game where I thought that we were actually going to bloody stay up, you know. Yes, same here. And even though that Logan celebration was obviously in this season, it still goes down as one of my most iconic Rover celebrations ever. When I think back about goal celebrations, Logan is one of the first ones that always pops into my head. I don't think I've ever seen a, another Rovers player do that sort of thing. Jumped up on the hoardings 
right in front of the away end and saluted, like you said, and it was just unreal in that away end. Who doesn't love a, a goalkeeper that gets the fans going? Yeah, indeed. Max, were you at this one? I wasn't. No, I was listening on the radio. Okay. So yeah. similar limbs in your garden as to not um, County. Yeah, it was decent decent enough, I guess. Yeah. I think my first away game was Hereford the next year. Okay. Yeah. So well, that was a appalling choice. <laughs> that was when uh, Scott McLeish took a shirt off, but that's another story for another time. That's another time there. machine episode, that one. Um so yeah, so a one nil win away at Yeovil. Um we then came back to the Mem and played Bournemouth, who were flying high at the time, sixth, I believe. And a Jeff Hughes penalty moved Rovers outside of the relegation zone. One nil win up to nineteenth. The atmosphere uh, was absolutely electric. we were backs to the walls for 90 minutes that game mm. i remember we were under the cost they were at us the whole, i don't think we left our half after scoring that penalty i remember that was a classic game under the lights at the mem the, the atmosphere was insane everyone was well up for it the players delivered and um the only other memory i've got of it was the fact that and you may have this too nino was a group of young lads given we were 16 they must have been about 13 that were passing around a flask of what i'd assume was vodka oh that the, was uh, that game on I the territory um and and to say that they celebrated the goal with a little bit of uh of a liquid touch exuberance an understatement yeah they were they certainly had some excitement certainly yeah oh, i didn't know that was that game yeah what a shot i was just drunk on the goals yeah what that was um, another big win. So back-to-back wins, but that was as good as it got, unfortunately, because we then played Exeter at the Mem and lost 2-0. Uh, Daniel Nardiello scored twice, and we then went away to Southampton, and this one was a sickener. Uh, mm. We had played really well in this game, um, and De Prado then scored in the 82nd minute for the Saints and we couldn't get back into it. Lost 1-0 and this loss also put us back into the relegation zone. Level with Warsaw in 20th, but we had played a game more at this point. Uh, was, this this... When, um, was this the game that both Ellis Harrison and Lamar Powell made their debuts? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I was just about to Fantastic drop that. Fantastic bit of triv. That's Southampton it. also had this the mm. kit this season at home, and they they had white with the red stripe. The very very. Th- kit. Oh, I thought it was the very thin sort of pinstripe white, wasn't it? No, it was no. white all over with the red uh, diagonal. Oh, sash. sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah, good shout. But anyway, yeah, Ellis Harrison's debut, what an exciting one. But that was also a sign of. I remember there was like half excitement because chucking the youngsters, let's see what they can do, and half, okay, Campbell's just. Yeah. Like giving it to his mates giving at up. this point. What's going quite on? Interesting. I always thought that Lamar Powell was going to be the one to go into bigger things, and Ellis Harrison was just sort of not quite as linked with Arsenal. He was. Was he linked with Arsenal? Never played above Bath City level after leaving us. Oh, what could have been? What could have been? Mm. Um, so down to the final four games of the season. Then uh, next one was Charlton at home. Uh, that was seriously emotional. Yeah, what a game. Take us through it. Whoever wants to run with it, go. All right. Max, uh, you go. So I remember going 2-0 down. Uh, pretty dreadful. Um, Charlton were going well at the time. Um, and then they had two sendings off in about the space of 15 minutes. Um, and the crowd was rapturous that game. It was like it was a baking hot summer's day. It was about 31 degrees. I think you were telling me the other day, Nina, that it seemed to me that like every game from like March onwards was like a scorcher of a day. Yeah, yeah. When I when I think back on my memories of pretty much every game from March onwards, they're just all baking hot days. It was such a good summer. Yeah. 
like shorts and replica shirt days. You know? Yeah. Don't get many of those because it's usually pissing it down. But um, yeah, it was boiling hot. Um, we were two 0 down. They had two men sent off, and then they had Chris Powell sent off. Um, he was sent to the stands because he was getting funny about the red, the second red card. Uh, and then it was just Rovers were absolutely just charging at the shot on goal, trying to get two goals. Um, and I, I can't remember who scored first. Who scored the equaliser? Was it Wayne Brown or Gavin Wayne Brown Williams? scored first? Yeah. Yeah. So Wayne Brown scored first, and then Gavin Williams did the hand of God to control the ball, literally had his arm in the air and just brought it down with his forearm uh, and then just volleyed it into the net for the equaliser for absolute limbs all over the place. Scenes. Um, yeah, fantastic. And then uh, I remember going to a barbecue after the game as well and uh, I think watching Nicky Maynard score against City for West Ham on the telly, which was quite funny. Happy days. So... We then went away to Bournemouth a few days later. Once again, another scorching hot day. Um, We went in level on points with Dagenham in 20th. So this was a huge game. Bournemouth were flying. We'd only played Bournemouth quite recently, hadn't we? We only just done Bournemouth at home Mm -hmm. where Hughes got the penalty. So it was quite strange to play them twice in quick succession. But this was a big game. Um, and I remember being on the beach with my dad before the match and it was just a glorious day and it was still glorious for the first bit of the game because Wayne Brown gave us the lead in the fourth minute um, and then Dave McCracken just got sent off for the most ridiculous red card. I think he reacted to someone and sort of flung his arm up in their face. They went down like they'd been shot. He got sent off. Uh, and then Danny Hollands then got sent off for Bournemouth just before half time. So we were one nil up, went into half time one nil, both down to ten men. And then Danny Sender missed oh. a chance, which I have never forgiven him for. Yeah, I remember. This is gutting. I we broke away in front of the away end. Danny Sender was put clean through one on one with the Bournemouth keeper. Amazing chance to make it two nil. And he just leaned back and ballooned it over the bar. And I was absolutely livid. And I've never Which forgiven him. was especially him. brutal because he was so good and so important to our resurgence that season. Yeah. And then he just completely, him and Dave McCracken, both of them really, really helped us and nearly dug us out of it. And then that game, both of them completely screwed us over. Yeah, it was absolutely What the hell was a right back doing going through one-on-one mind? It's a very good point. Um, so yeah, so Rovers were still one nil up at this point, but I kind of had the feeling at the time that, you know, you don't get to blow a chance like that in such a big game and still go on to win. And we didn't because Bournemouth then scored in the 84th and 88th minute to win the game 2-1. And I always remember Steve Fletcher's celebration. He scored the winner um, in front of the Bournemouth home end and took his shirt off and was twirling it around and ran the length of the pitch back in front of the away end and he was ju- he just went absolutely nuts and it was just sickening. Um, and it made the next game, which was Sheffield Wednesday at home, a huge match. Uh, it was our biggest attendance of the season. Another beautiful sunny day and the men was packed out, ready to roll Rovers onto a huge three points, but alas, the fairy tale didn't quite materialise. That's the full-time whistle. The booze from the Bristol Rovers fans tell you they know their fate and the results from elsewhere. That Sheffield Wednesday game, I went with my mum, I remember. And um, I remember being absolutely heartbroken at the end because, well, it was pretty much relegated, wasn't it? But the players came round after and they actually got a bit of a clap because that was the thing about the Campbell resurgence was that actually, even though we got relegated, people 
got behind that team and they almost didn't really blame most of the players for it. It was it was quite strange. But the main thing I want to bring up is that that first Sheffield when that penalty that Sheffield Wednesday scored was a clear was dive. Yeah, massive, that. such a massive bad dive. dive from no one, none other than Neil Meller. And every time <laughs> I see him on Sky Sports News, I I just lose the plot because I've never forgiven him for that. Never. I've actually got it written down here because I made a note next to this game saying huge fucking dive, but no one made any um, note of it at the time because I remember being sitting in the Blackthorn. And it wasn't a horrendous dive. You could see, because it was at the other end, wasn't it, that they scored mm. the penalty. Yeah. I could see from where I was miles away that it was an awful dive. And I just remember no one made anything about it. Usually the men would have been absolutely up in arms and fuming. But I don't know what it was, but everyone just sort of accepted it. And and yeah, they I think it's away. because everyone, everyone was kind of, everyone was so up for that game. We conceded really early and it was almost like, right, start again, let's go. And we did actually equalise not long after, right? But... Yeah, we scored yeah, our own penalty, break, didn't yeah. we, in that game? I believe. Yeah, Hos- yeah Hoskins. Yeah. Hoskins went down, and then Hoskins scored the penalty. Yeah, it was a bit of a it was a bit of an anticlimax game, really, because it kind of fizzled out after that. And yeah, we sort of limped like... to relegation after that, didn't we? Really, because yeah. we went into the last game, which was in May, uh, Colchester away, and we needed a ridiculous goal difference swing. I think it was 16-0. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we lost 2-1, so, you know, we didn't come anywhere and, close uh, to that. A little bit of trivia there is that in that final game, uh, Ollie Clark made his debut. Ollie and Clark. so did Elliot Richards, and he also scored. N- Elliot Richards didn't make his debut. Oh, did he there, not? But, uh, but I, think he did his debut got- I think it was his first goal, though. He didn't score. He did. Did he? Yeah, Elliot Richards yeah. scored. Yeah. Uh, the reason I know that is because you've both shat all over my final quiz question, <laughs> which was which young striker scored his first goal for the club in this game, and that was the decider because we're at six oh, all. Good man. Well, seeing as I said it, surely I get the points. And Harley literally said Richards didn't score. He, has, he also he has said it was his debut. <sighs> yeah, but that wasn't the question, was it? You're basically swinging, swinging your bat at it and hoping that one of them makes a connection. <laughs> I've got connect. I've got a deciding question, right? So, how many penalties did Jeff Hughes score that season? Oh Christ! He oh oh I reckon I can get that. Um, he scored, I believe, fifteen goals or something crazy like that, and I reckon he probably scored ten penalties. Max, I might Nine. be bad for that. Oh, he's lowballed me. That's... <laughs> And the correct answer to take the first time machine quiz of the series is... I reckon that's against the rules that kind of lowball him. Five. <laughs> I knew it was Max takes ten. ten. He's done ten one. penalties. I've no, I knew it Has anyone penalties. ever scored ten penalties? <laughs> any he scored, level he scored ten goals then. Did he score ten goals? He definitely got double figures, yeah. Yeah, that's probably what's done me here. I've gone with the wrong number. He, oh. He's lost it at the death. Max takes it 9-6. What a result. I think, I've, I think I've been cheated out of this. He's he's he played good tactics there. To be fair, you'd you'd gone ridiculously high, so you'd left him no choice but to go under it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Max takes it. How do you feel, Max? Uh, thrilled, but you know, long way to go early in the season. We've um, still lots to be won. And I'm well assuming said. that we're going to have a rego of this if we do another time machine episode. I'm assuming that I've got a chance to redeem yourself, to not run in. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, it's not over yet, not by a long shot. Um. 
All right. Well, obviously, yeah, that brings us to the end of what was a fairly miserable 2010-11 season in the end. So apologies for that. But I think there was a lot of good stuff to look back on, hopefully a bit of nostalgia for everyone. Uh, And yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. We have a few episodes coming out this week. Am I right, lads? Or start next week? We've got, um, yeah, so three episodes in the locker um, included in this one. They should be released very soon. Um, And we intend on on providing more. So stay tuned. Hit subscribe. um, All the usuals. We also had the pleasure of chatting with um, Jamie Curitan last week. So if anyone's not had a chance to listen to that, definitely recommend it. Um, Some great stories in there from Jamie. So well worth a listen to if you fancy another trip down memory lane. Yeah, I finished off that interview just before we started this, actually, and it was a brilliant interview, to be fair. So I strongly recommend that for anyone um, who hasn't listened yet. Uh, So, yeah, thank you once again. We hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, stay safe, stay indoors, etc. And stop stockpiling. Uh, And up the gas. Up the gas. Up the gas.